is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. And Riley to the Vancouver line. Passes left circle. Shot. Score. Noah Gregor. A three on two for the Leafs with a slow back check for the Vancouver forwards. When Hughes back to it. His pressure lost it. It rolls out in front. Robertson scores. Your say on the official home of the Canucks. Controlled on the backhand by Noah Gregor. Turns and shoots through traffic. They score! David Kemp was parked in front. Demko picked this one up late and it sneaks by him along the ice. It's 5-2 Toronto. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks, tough performance on the road in Toronto. They finally lose in regulation. The first regulation loss in 10 games. Snap a five-game winning streak in Toronto against the Leafs 5-2. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650. We are going to bring in Brett Festerling into the conversation in a moment. But this was one of the poorer efforts we've seen from the Vancouver Canucks this season. Of course, only their third regulation loss of the year. They're now 10-3-1 on the season. And one thing I'd say real quickly, their first loss in 10 games, Mm -hmm. regulation loss in 10 games, I'd be very careful with chasing narratives after a game like this. Just, just a disclaimer off the bat, but have your takes come in. Say what you want to say. say. I'm going to make a prediction. There's going to be someone that says, I'd rather have lost the San Jose game than this one, just because it's the Leafs. I totally understand. No doubt. I get it. I'm just saying narrative-wise. This game does have a heightened importance. Even though it's a non-conference game, it does have a heightened importance. And uh, there's going to be a lot of people let down. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I get it. No no one wants to lose to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I get it. Let's go uh, and, and chat with Brett Festerling and uh, get his thoughts on this game here tonight. And and Brett, I mean, the Canucks actually started the game off fantastically, right? They score a goal, er, a goal early, up to nothing. They're in full control of the game, but too many mistakes, too much sloppy play. And then this is kind of how it all went down. Yeah, they come out with two massive hits and then take advantages of undisciplined penalties by Toronto. And you just think that's going to carry forward into the rest of the game. Specifically for me, the forecheck and getting and down the wall for for guys being physical and continuing that. And it just didn't happen. It was very flat after that. Actually, I'd say after the two penalty kills in the second Mm -hmm. by Toronto, it just seemed like Toronto just tilted the ice there and then didn't really look back. And and Vancouver kind of lost some steam with those two power plays. And then they just never got it back as well. They've been so spectacular throughout the course of the uh, beginning part of the season, but Hughes and Ronick to me were, were, were maybe the conversation of the day because it, it just felt like they didn't really play with a lot of urgency. And like you look on the Robertson goal, like Nyes wins two battles, one's against uh, uh, Ronick, and, and it just wins another one. And, and it, it just didn't feel like they were moving the puck quickly. What did you notice? Was it just Toronto being on them, or were they not as active? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're spot on. They they didn't seem like they were meshing as as kind of seamlessly as they have. And, and in terms of mobility and Arona getting up the ice and Hughes kind of everywhere, it didn't. It didn't. You didn't see that, right? I, you didn't notice that as much. 
Quinn had a really nice move in the third there where he kind of rolled off mm-hmm. and went to the got the crossbar. That was kind of the flashes of what we're expecting to see him do almost every shift, it seems like. So, uh, yeah, I, mean, I would say the third in Ottawa, Hughes seemed a little off. And then and then this game, yeah, those two just didn't didn't mesh very well. No, and I mean, it was one of those nights where we, we had a hard time really singling out guys who had a strong game. And I think we kind of we settled on, on a couple of players. I thought Pew Suter had a strong game, Connor Garland on that line they were relatively strong um, I like some of the things Carson Soucy did on the back end but but overall it, it was kind of hard to pinpoint too many good performances from, from Canucks players so yes Patterson and Hughes they were not at their best and Patterson clearly doesn't seem right despite the fact he picked up a point and he's up to 25 on the season leading the entire National Hockey League but I don't think too much of the supporting cast was all that great tonight either no I think it's a team loss to be honest with you it's yeah. just it, everything that's made them so good we just didn't see and for me a lot of it it was demon down the wall toronto might have made an adjustment here it seemed like they were sending that winger to the far blue line and really trying to stretch out the d-man so they couldn't come down that wall and keep that pressure but that's where they've had so much success is the d's down to the hash marks forwards filling in behind other d right we just didn't see that at all so um i think it was a, a big time team loss there was the three-on-two goal, the Gregor goal, that uh, convert near the end of the second period. But just in general, like we, we've talked about um, how, how the Canucks don't seem to be giving up two-on-ones, three-on-twos. Was there something you noticed of how Toronto was able to effectively you know, get the, pa- the, the, the puck past like that first wave of, of the forecheck? Yeah, I think, I think right there that the, the forward goes to the far blue and then both Canucks D... I, th- I think, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, end up back at the far blue line before the pucks really exited the offensive zone, right? Mm-hmm. So that just takes your ability to, to protect speed and gap and everything that's made them so good. So it ends up, who is it, Riley? No. Whoever it is, they end up with way too much time in a free entrance to the zone, which Canucks haven't been giving up zones that easily mm-hmm. that's the most that's the easiest it's been on offensive team to get into the Canucks zone this year I think and then that and then you can just make plays from there so it's it was a lot of gaps and just keeping that tight um tight forecheck which we didn't see at all really tonight no we didn't see a ton of it at all for, from the from the team tonight like the connectivity wasn't there either the puck support wasn't mm-hmm. where it needed to be and and overall too I think if you just simplify it the Canucks didn't at no at no point after the first period were they able to match or even get close to the intensity Toronto had so in terms of an emotional response they had a hard time finding that tonight yeah you're you're right they didn't have the emotional response they weren't as sharp uh, kind of mentally or physically they didn't they didn't execute very many plays there was a lot of passes like behind skates or Mm -hmm. ahead of sticks or bobbled Uh, yeah it just it just didn't look sharp they didn't have it tonight that's allowed for how they've played, but it's a good test for them to see how they roll into Montreal on a back-to-back tomorrow, playing as a team that just had a huge emotional win in OT with uh, Montreal. So um, I think it's a really good test for them. I like. I would rather see the Canucks go through some adversity now and iron out those kinks than keep going on this Cinderella thing a little too long 
and facing it late when, when you get into some really meaningful games. So I think it's a good thing that they can get into some adversity on the road, deal with it as a team internally, I mean, away from Vancouver, and just you know try to figure those things out. It's still a learning process here. It was something I was wondering on, on the show yesterday that you know at some point we've sat here and talked about all the regression and things, but to me, like two concerns I have are, are injury regression and like sustainability of the effort. And tonight it just felt like, okay, the second and third period weren't going as fast and not a lot of excuses for a team on, on a back-to-back yeah. in Toronto, but nevertheless, I just wondered because the Canucks have been playing so hard these opening 13 games if if the effort starts to slide off so was tonight more about effort for you or like was there a structural component of, of why Toronto was able to score five well I think they I think they go hand in hand I think right the, the the, the way they're allowed, they can play the structure they have been playing was by the effort and by the conditioning. So they're just, and being able to sustain that through two pressures or two periods, sorry. So that's where they've, we talked about how much they've grown in games. And that, I think, is a big part because they've been able to sustain those type of four checks through two and three periods and still have the legs to do that. So, yeah, you might, you might be right. I don't know if they're tired or not. That goes into. Um, the coaches and, and maybe managing guys if they have a few few days in between here, maybe lighter practices. And I don't know if Canucks do heart rate monitors now, but we at the end of my career, we started doing heart rate monitors and practice and stuff so you can see exactly how your body's mm-hmm. reacting to that, and you'll know pretty pretty quick if your body's tired or worn down. So um, that goes into the into the training staff and the coaching staff to see if they're tired. But, yeah, you're right. They just didn't have uh, the effort on the work side, and I think that really carried through to their structure. Yeah, I think it put them in a bit of a bind here tonight, and that's one of the things we haven't seen this team kind of be put on a lot. We saw it against the Flyers, and I wouldn't quite say they were like the Flyers. They were shut out that game. They didn't have a, a good period or sequence at all, I, I thought, in that game outside of – or actually, it was just Demko that was good that game. That was it. Everybody else really struggled. And this game, at least it was – at least the first period, I mean, they had a good start. We bemoaned the fact that in recent games, their starts need to be a bit better, last game especially, and as they come out and have a good start tonight, but the rest of the game kind of tails off. I wanted to get your thoughts on how you thought Thatcher Demko played tonight. I think he was. I think he was fine. Like the first two, first two goals against were behind him. You know, I don't even know if he could. He could maybe play the Nylander one a little tighter to the post, but who am I to tell him he can't? You know, mm-hmm. I think Nylander, that's just Nylander being Nylander right now, super confident, and making good play. And the other one's a block shot that. Thatcher doesn't even know is behind him, and Bertuzzi's trying to go off, off back. So I would put that on. You know what? Both of those I would almost put on the team. Like you, you've heard talk and talk about Thatcher, you got half the net, right? He said that so many times. You got half the net. You protect that half the net. What he's also saying to the team is, if we're expecting him to save everything on that half the net, we need to have the other half. That's the team's responsibility. So to me, both of those get in behind Thatcher and end up in the crease, that's where the D-man or, or collapse forwards maybe need to take a little more uh, physicality, get guys out, know where their guys are. So, I mean, I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was great, but the team as a whole wasn't great tonight. I, I want to talk about that quote where he's, where he's, where he's talking about you know, protecting half the net because I think it's very illustrative of what happened on the fifth goal because it's it, if, if you watch the play, it looks very odd that Kampf is right in front of the net actually just to Demko's right and Quinn Hughes is on the left and mm-hmm. all three guys are just standing yeah. still. Demko, Kampf and Hughes and I just wonder if Hughes is not allowed to cross the face of Demko just because, hey, why create an extra body in front of him? I'll protect this side 
and it's Demko's responsibility for the other side. And Camp just does a good job of kind of parking away from Hughes and then gets that tip in. It, it just it, it looks odd that Quinn is just standing still. I'm just curious if the rules are very much like I can't come across the goalie. Yeah, may, maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. There is a lot. Some some coaches are just like get completely out of this guy's way if there's any pucks coming. You front it and you block it or you're completely out of the way and get the guy's stick pretty much. But mm-hmm. I think more on that one is just he's not expecting a shot there. I wouldn't expect a shot there. That just seems like such a bad opportunity to throw it on the ice, Spinorama. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what that usually turns out to be is a guy like Hughes that just pokes it or fronts it, fronts it. And then mm. the Canucks are off to the races, and you send it for an odd man. So I think it was more just nobody was expecting that to go net. But props to Camps uh, for going to the net and just parking himself there, knowing it's got to come there, and he's going to have an opportunity. Well, there were a number of plays in this game where they just weren't winning their matchups, and it's something they've mm-hmm. done a good job of doing over the, the stretches, even in games where they've been under some duress. They've done a good job of boxing out, winning the one-on-ones, contesting plays, and making life miserable enough for teams through the neutral zone. And especially in that second and third, uh, Toronto didn't have much of a problem getting through the neutral zone, getting zone entries, winning along the walls. They just weren't doing the details that plays to their identity more consistently. And I wouldn't be surprised if we hear Rick talk and mention that this wasn't quite the identity identity game they would have wanted. Yeah, I'm sure he's not happy with their quote-unquote staples. Yeah. But like, yeah, we've talked so much about the forecheck and how good. Mm -hmm. And I keep going back to PDG Miller Mm -hmm. forecheck, the 2-1-2 and hitting Besser, because it's just like they're doing it so much and they're having so success. I... I don't know if I saw two forwards on two Maple Leaf defensemen behind the net and turn over a puck. It just seemed like Maple Leafs would go D to D, and then they would just shovel it up the wall, but you've had that forward flying, so no D-man was coming down the wall, and it was just a clean exit. There were so many clean exits, and through the neutral zone, you're right, there just wasn't any any stand-up, any guys above guys. It just it wasn't there. I, I do wonder too, because you know Rick Tockett's mentioned about handling prosperity and all this sort of stuff, and it, it's it's a marquee game, right? You look, you're in Toronto hockey night and all that sort of stuff. Everyone's watching. I wonder if they just kind of put too much pressure on themselves in the lead up to this because it's not as if it was great against the other d- day and coming to this one. If if part of that handling prosperity is putting so much pressure on yourself, and, and great players going to do that, but it's managing that as well. Yeah, for sure. Like think about how excited we've been and how they've played mm-hmm. and they're way over expectations and then they're going in Toronto and they have a chance with how it's set up on every team on a back to back. If we can get through this with three wins, then we're here. So for, and then they're obviously some of the guys are from out East. Obviously there's a lot of media out East. Let's go prove everybody wrong. And so, yeah, I mean, I think there was definitely a build up for these games and it's, pretty normal thing i think when you have these big emotional swings and and expectations sometimes it just falls flat it seems like that was tonight but again i think it's a good learning opportunity and if they take it that way then i think it's positive long term for them yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll see tomorrow how they bounce back. We'll see if Teddy Bluger gets into the lineup and how they respond to how they play tonight in Toronto against the Leafs, a 5-2 loss. But Brett, great stuff as always, man. We look forward to chatting with you again very soon and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. It's not a late one, at least, tonight. 
Yeah, now I get to go home and put the kids in bed. There we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Attaboy. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's Brett Festerling calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor tonight. Keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber. And uh, you can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650. People are like, if Mike and Surrey calls in, take his call. I mean, yeah, call in. You're, you're all welcome to call in at, at any point. I, I know Mike texted now in a couple scared. times. I know Mike texted in a couple times. Uh, and I think he was ripping me. He's like, oh, now you're saying you can't use a narrative because of one game loss and yada, yada. All I'm saying is I'd be leery of narrative. I told narrative. you I was, calling, I, was, yeah. I was calling you out of that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'd be leery on narratives in terms of, see, I told you this is coming. Or like, see, the Canucks can't win if Pedersen and Hughes have a bad day. It's like their first regulation loss in 10 games. Mm-hmm. But there were things I did not like in their game tonight. And yeah. I think that's the thing more than any more than anything that I, that I saw that I wasn't a fan of. The good first period, but the staples. We talked about it with Brett. You weren't contesting plays. You weren't making life difficult. You weren't difficult to play against. And as much as we talk about this team has been fantastic, they're simply not good enough to not play to their staples, like the coach mm-hmm. says, and play to that intensity and, and play to that desire to disrupt play all over the ice. If you don't play at that level, this team's not going to be su- successful, right? Like they need to have that, and they didn't have that enough. Hey, the thing. About- tonight though it'd be one thing if it was um the top six for the Leafs creating all these chances and 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 all the, the goals like if, if Boston Matthews goes up against Pew Suter and wins like yeah okay that happens sometimes this is Noah Gregor out against uh yeah. the, the the Pedersen line this is Robertson out there against uh Hronick and Hughes and just out battling them yeah out there against Pedersen this is camp out there with Hronick and Hughes that to me is the issue for tonight yes long term but that's why it's I say, fine are, are you, so in terms of narratives are you worried that Pedersen and Hughes are going to get their hand their lunch handed to them by fourth liners throughout the year like I don't think that's going to be something that r- regularly occurs mm-hmm. of course not but but the effort thing is is the yes. thing to keep an eye on, right? Yeah. It, it's would it burn out at some point? And it, it doesn't matter that it's against the fourth liners tonight, third liners tonight. If if that doesn't sustain moving forward, that to me is the issue. Even if you're out against first liners later on uh, in the season, you, you, they're the ones that have to set the standard, and they're the ones that have to be good, and they're the ones that have been the best, you know, quartet yeah. to begin the year. Demko, Hughes, Miller, Patterson across the league. If you had to choose the four best players from every team, the Canucks four have been the best uh, across the league. But it just shows that if they slip up a little bit, and they slip up in a big way against the the depth players. But like the, the Robertson goals to me is the one that's like unacceptable. Matthew Nyes wins a puck battle on Heronic to get the puck out, and then holds the play up while the Leafs are making a change in the offensive zone against. Technically, it's one on three, but Hughes kind of peels off. But it's Ronick and McKayev harassing Matthew Nyes, and he wins the battle. And he gets that puck in deep, creates the whole sequence. It's it's moments like that you look at and say, well, it's Ronick McKayev. Like you're not the the elite four, but you're part of the the group that expects this team to to push it forward. And they got beat by a young player. Yeah, you, it, you can't have that sort of stuff. No, you can't, and uh, that's that's the sort of thing that I think you can rectify, and they need to rectify as soon as tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens. This text says, "I thought we played okay. Toronto was a better team for sure. A bit tentative tonight, I thought. Too bad. Did you hear them say Hughes is minus fifteen against the Leafs? Screw off. I hate those announcers. Now I would say, <laughs> like, okay, fact, right? But let's also remember, there's a North Division year where he was minus nine in that. Yeah, year. I know. So it's like they they played the Leafs an extra amount of times. I know. Here. I can I can understand why fans are a bit salty about some of the commentary. I get it. I get it. I can understand. Stats are stats. Man. I get it. But it's how you use. 
use them in the context. Sure. That's all I'm saying. I get it. I get it. I tweeted uh, out that they're eight zero and zero when they score first. Now people so, are mad at me. Yeah, I saw uh, JT Tiger on on Twitter mentioned that to you. It's your fault. You jinx. I don't believe in jinxes. It's so. not the only one. Yeah, nor do I. But, but it's like, yeah. hey, if if you're mad at a stat, I'll, I'm happy to be the <laughs> the, the source of frustration. But uh, stats are stats. Uh, Aichi in Toronto, we all knew the Canucks' win streak was unsustainable, but we should have a moment of silence in honor of the two points the Canucks sacrificed against a beatable team tonight. So, yeah, it was a beatable team, and the Canucks didn't play their best. But give Toronto credit, though, I will say, after that five-on-three kill, Mm -hmm. they were completely the better team. Like, they came to life a great PK despite giving up two goals early on that first period. From that point on, they, they nullified the Canucks' power play, they took over the game, and they were the better team. Yeah, I, I speaking of narrative chasing, I kind of interested to see what the narrative is is coming out east. Mm-hmm. If oh well, they stood up for their guys and and they came back for it. If that's the narrative that comes out of it, to me the narrative the, the real story is in a pivotal moment like that five on three, the Leafs won that sequence yeah. and that pushed them the rest of the way. They got scored on both of those power plays earlier, uh, where where they stuck up for themselves yeah. and. After a clean hits, too, by the way. So they got the instigator and they gave up the goals. I, I'm not chalking those up as saying, oh, like, that's why they, they, they pushed this one through. It was the PK in that moment and the Nylander goal. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Jazzy says, obviously, they lose the only game I wanted them to win on this trip. What a shame. Against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I get it. People want, want to beat the Leafs. I understand the frustration. All right, let's take one phone call before we hit the break. And let's go to Langley, where we have Jake on the line. Jake, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? It's actually funny you mentioned that because my, my wife said, would you prefer to have the, the Leafs win but lose all the games, all the rest of the games, or the other way around? And I probably <laughs> would have taken just the Leafs win. But, no, uh, you know, come on. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, let me, let, me ask, let me ask you guys a quick question here. Um, and it's with Elias Patterson. Okay, so clearly he's hurt. Rick Talkett said this morning that he's battling a few things, or he, or he mentioned that there's something going on with him. If he's at the point, even if he's playing at 70%, don't you think because of the super hot start, wouldn't it be the best idea to just go to PD and be like, hey, man, take a couple weeks off. Just rest up, heal up, and because we're going to need you in that middle of the season push, including the ending of the push. And if he's going to be kind of playing around at this kind of 70 80% mark, and yes, he's putting up points, and yes, he's leading the league, I still feel in the long-term benefit of the season, maybe it's better just let him get healthy. But I'm curious what you guys think. Cheers, guys. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a bad suggestion. It depends on exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Usually throughout a, a course of a season, most guys are playing through some sort of an injury. It does look like his performance in game, despite the fact he's piling up points, has been affected. Now, whatever the reason is, his game's not at where it is. I don't know if it needs two weeks, but I'm not against... I, I, and I bet he plays tomorrow. I'm not saying he shouldn't play tomorrow. But if he's not 100%, like, do you maybe rest him, rest him on a back-to-back? I, I don't know what the situation I'm just saying. like He's I'm off not. to this great start. I'm, I'm just saying. I don't know. But I don't do the two weeks thing. Could it be one game here and there depending on something? I, I'm not against it. But I don't think just because you're off to a hot start, you, you rest the guy for two weeks to get up to 100%. I'm very confident that w- of what they've done through the 14 games – very good indicators that they can make this playoff push and all that sort of stuff. You know what I'm not doing? Sending a message to Edmonton and the other teams in the Pacific. Be like, hey, we're going to sit this guy down, and now we've opened up your window. Yeah, no, I, I understand it, but I'm trying to keep banking points as much as you can right now. It's still too early to say resting your laurels and say, all right, well, 14 games in, we're going to the playoffs. I'm very confident they'll get there, but... 
I'm waiting until like December, mid December, January to try to do something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I look, I, I don't think he's was fantastic tonight. You know, he was hard on himself after the last game, so it's it's something to to watch. But as far as taking him out of the lineup, no, no, I, I, I'm not doing that. I, I understand. I mean, I, I get what people are saying. He's banged up, but what do you think? Mm-hmm. It's long season and everything. Mike says the key about tonight was adversity. They were on for. There were only. A goal back in the third period against the entire team. Not only did they play back-to-backs in three and four nights, it was four and six nights. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good point. And they generated almost nothing. And coming but from behind, was going through that too. No, no. But coming from behind is a completely different challenge. This team hasn't proven that yet. I agree with Mike in, in terms of they haven't proven if they can come back in games. They haven't proven uh, that they can tilt back in situations. It's a long season. There are a lot of things they haven't proven yet. And those are things that they are going to have to improve on. But... Uh, you know, it it was Toronto being the better team tonight and just not allowing Vancouver to get into it, despite the fact that Toronto was the more tired team. Like, if, if you're thinking about advantage, fatigue-wise, it was in the Canucks' favor tonight, and mm-hmm. they weren't able to take advantage. All right, we'll get back to more of your thoughts on the text inbox, on the phone boards, plus the head coach, Rick Tockett, after a 5-2 loss in Toronto against the Leafs. It's Satin Bick on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Tyler Young for the line for Morgan Ryan. Funnels it behind the Vancouver net. Wade Hughes back to it. There's pressure, lost it, it rolls out in front. Robertson scores! and Hironic get tangled up behind their own net and Nick Robertson cashes in with his second of the year to give the Leafs a 4-2 lead. Canucks lose 5-2 in Toronto against the Leafs, and this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Uh, we'll get to a lot of your text messages coming in here on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And it's one of those games where the Canucks did everything you wanted them to do early on. They took a 2-0 lead in this game, scoring on two power plays, and they made the Leafs pay for taking a couple instigators early on, mm-hmm. Mark Giordano taking one, um, and then it was... Max Domi taking the other one after two big hits, one on Dakota Joshua, on David Kampf, and another massive hit, Ian Cole, uh, on Nick Robertson, which was, which was a great defensive play as well. And both necessitated responses, it felt like, from the Leafs. And the Canucks took full advantage, scoring on both of those. Uh, JT with a downhill shot, great goal for him, continuing his streak of scoring. I'm not sorry, it was a 1-1 game because the Leafs tied it up with Matthew Nyes, and the Canucks took the 2-1 lead uh, with Pew Suter scoring the goal. Pew, pew. Uh, pew, pew. pew. Uh, scoring the goal. Uh, and he's been red hot. Was it four straight games for him? Scoring a goal now for the Vancouver uh, Four and the last five. Four yeah. and the last five. Four and the last five where he scored a goal. Had a couple other chances as well, so he's really turning his game around. It was a great play. Uh, by Mikheyev uh, in the offensive zone to get the zone in the defensive zone to get the puck back to allow that goal to happen in the first place. So there were a lot of good things for the Canucks in that first had a two one lead, but from that point on, it was really the Toronto Maple Leafs taking over. And from that point on, the Canucks really had a hard time generating much offense. And we spoke to Rick Tockett yesterday on Canucks Central, and if you missed that interview, it's available uh, on podcast for you to check out. But he admitted that as good as the Canucks have played defensively, and as much as they're happy about their internal data with what they're seeing, 
they can stand to generate more offense. And on five on five tonight, the Canucks had a really hard time generating anything of much quality. Yeah, that was a really nerdy interview. You're breaking out PDO and. I mean, I mean, five on five scoring chances, and hey, hey man, Rick Tucker was up to the task. He was up. Hey, we hanging out with Stat TR Shaw. Listen, people have been talking about regression and talking <laughs> about process and what's going on. So, who better to ask than the head coach about what some yeah. of these numbers are telling us and what he's seeing and what he thinks about the team? And, and I thought he answered them fantastically. No, he he really did. It was a good interview. Go check it out on, on the Connect Central <laughs> Pod. I just, hey, listen, if you come oh, on our show, give the Leafs a hard time. I got to give you a hard time. Yeah. Listen, if you come on our show, you better come prepared. You better know what you're talking about because we ask some tough questions. Uh, but yes, uh, you know, yes, yeah, so it's one of the things the they have to do with better. Generation, yeah, was not there tonight, and even more so. I'm curious to see the reaction tonight because I imagine Talk It will talk about um, some of the inside plays because he's referenced that in the yes. past couple of days too. And I wonder if the players will reference the power play because I know they like the the first power play unit. I know they get the one goal, but it did look clunky all evening. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking about the five-on-three opportunity, but it it just looked like there was a couple of struggles over the course of the evening for the first power play unit. Uh, So I'm wondering if if that gets mentioned as well. And and speaking of the inside plays, Peters texts in 650-650. Net front play was the difference in this game. Canucks Mm -hmm. didn't play well near the blue paint of their own net. Had very little net front presence in the offensive zone. You go through it here um, for the five goals. Are net front plays. Yeah. Um, Nyes doesn't get tied up by Elias Pettersson. Mm-hmm. Nylander. Myers gets knocked over easily by Bertuzzi, and he knocks it into his own net. The Robertson goal. There he is, charging and laid on a, on a loose puck. Gets that chance and, and in front, or the, the battles behind the net, losing to Nyes and turning the puck over. That's another bad one. Kampf in front of the net. Tip in. So, good shout by Peter uh, in the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Yeah, no, that, that, that was a really good shout. And, and even Tyler Myers, you know, knocking that puck in. And people were asking, was that an interference play by Tyler Bertuzzi? It wasn't even a cross-check. It, he kind of runs into Honestly, it. It, it, was, it, was smart. it was very similar to the Highmore play that you were like, oh, that's interference. Yeah, it was very it was similar. similar. I would say, though, because it's net front and that's where you guys, where guys will go and battle for position, I'm, I, I want there to more uh let's say physical contact to be allowed and especially when you're not cross-checking myers just falls over i wonder if he did it on purpose though it's like he's trying to knock him over as new line is coming across it's contact and, sport yeah I, I, you know people are wondering about that i'm not sure i would call that a penalty myers i wouldn't say goes down easy but goes down awkwardly mm-hmm. and you know obviously at least the new lander goal all Big right trees fall hard man <laughs> They do, man. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Trucker James says, sloppy, listless performance tonight. Perhaps they felt overconfident with the way the game started. No response to the Leafs push in the second period onwards. I'm sure they'll come out of come out of it with a better performance tomorrow night. I, I doubt Taka will need to say much, as the players know. They laid an egg tonight, Trucker James. I'd imagine we, we're going to hear a lot of the same things we've, we've heard from players when they haven't played their best, and even when they've won hockey games. So I'm not expecting any excuses or anybody being happy with how they played tonight no uh, especially since we've seen them in wins be disappointed in themselves uh in, in a 5-2 loss again i i do wonder if, if maybe they built this up too much and uh trying to focus on on getting this big yeah. win in this spot because uh, it, it's 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 such foreign mistakes that we saw from players well it's just that type of stuff that you don't like again Pedersen and Hughes being two of the guys who were victimized the most by third and fourth liners the, the, the fourth goal for for Toronto was the one that's it's like oh it's really not your night yeah because it's it's a loose puck 
it's it's three on two down low behind the net because Pedersen tries to come back to help out Hughes and Ronan. Yeah, and Hughes is going to get the, is the first one to make a play on the puck. So it's three v two. You got the numbers, and your puck moving D man is going to have a chance to handle the puck, and they get it wrong. I wonder if there's miscommunication between Pedersen and Hughes. Yeah, there. and so suddenly now this chance opens up in the middle because Pedersen's kind of behind the net there. So it's it's like sloppy stuff like that. Again, they'll be fine. The stuff that you can rectify. They're, they're, they're good players. And they should be able to rectify. Yes. It's something that, I, that I, I would say about what we saw there from them. Uh, David from Kelowna. I think Taka will ask, who do we think we are? It looks like they took this game as, a, as an easy one. The last three to four minutes was their best effort. And Toronto's first two goals were pushed in by the Canucks. Myers on the second one. So yeah, I get it. There, there are a lot of things here that you can clean up. And I think that's maybe the, the best way of looking at it. Somebody texted in too and said, um, it, was, it was an okay night. The Canucks actually kept uh, Matt Mar- Garner and Matthews off the score sheet. And honestly, I did think both had a quiet night. I think Austin Matthews specifically had a very quiet night. I can't remember too many times where I felt like he was really threatening the score. Had a couple shots, had a couple mm-hmm. moments, but there was that wasn't a traditional like Marner. Matthews is out there looking scary. He scored the most goals in league so far this year. And I think maybe that's a frustration because Willie Nylander was the only real top six guy to score tonight. David Kampf, you know, Roberts, uh, Robertson, Gregor. We're talking about, you know, obviously secondary and, and, tertiary players for this team getting on the score sheet a good point that did keep some of the top guys in check but obviously not enough here to win the game uh 650 650 this one i'm guessing we're not allowed to criticize elias Patterson on the station i don't know what you've been listening to tonight because literally <laughs> throughout the course of the evening in the intermission we said hey he's at fault for the nice goal talked about hughes and Patterson. i mean somebody said uh, ask uh brett festerling about hughes and Patterson. we started the interview off talking about how tough a night hughes and Patterson had and we just went through all the goals and how yeah. poorly both those guys we, we were exceptionally harsh on one of the goals too the, the nice goal where he does this big loop in the offensive zone and he's a little slow yeah. to get back Elias Pettersson's been criticized tonight. And I would also point, if you're waiting... Again, this is the... Okay, you're right. You, you, you said, don't go narrative chasing tonight. And here I am, falling into the trap of the narrative chasing. Uh, some people are like, oh, Elias like He's leading the league in points. What more do you... Slap his kidney at center ice and be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> I'll give everything tonight. Like, what more? He's going to donate a kidney. <laughs> One game? It's like... I know. I, again, we can criticize how they played. I'm not going to sit here and criticize Pedersen's season. Mm-hmm. And even on, on, on Twitter, I threw out how Pedersen and Hughes have had a tough night. No, nobody's escaping criticism, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to sit here and and draw and quarter Elias Pedersen after this performance, too, and, and call him a bad player or anything like that. So uh, don't expect that, especially when the, when he leads the entire National Hockey League in scoring. But yeah, he's got to be better. All right, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll hit more as the show goes on here. But let's get to the phone boards as well. Let's start things off in Surrey with Wayne. Wayne, uh, what's on your mind tonight? Sat and Bick, my favorite two to listen to post game. How's it going, boys? Doing great, man. Thank you. Yeah, uh, this one's a bit of a tough one for Canucks fans. I know you said sad to hang on to the narratives for now, yeah. but that won't stop the <laughs> yeah. Eastern side from being premature there. Yeah, oh Leafs yeah, fans. you know how they are though, right? Yeah, yeah. Leafs fans chanting overrated the game when they know deep down that's their own team they're talking about. <laughs> but, anywho, I got a couple questions for you boys. Uh, since the Canucks didn't come out with their best effort tonight, and they have a back-to-back against another team that's coming off a back-to-back, how can the team shake it off when they don't get practice that they need to, uh, when they don't get that practice, they need to iron out the kinks? And then the second question is Nikita Zadorov. If this, if this team is a big player for the big Russian, where is the guy going to fit? Who does he push out of the lineup? Thanks, boys. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Uh, Zadorov, fit in Vancouver? Uh, I don't see it. I don't see it via trade. So the coach doesn't want to play a lefty on the right side. Mm-hmm. 
And they already have Susie and Cole playing the left, left side behind Hughes. So where's the fit? And I'll be clear. I, I don't doubt the interest. Oh, no, no. I don't doubt it. I, I just, I'm just saying. I don't see the fit. I, if, if it comes summertime and yes. he's still a free agent, Ian Cole is going to be unrestricted free agent. You can explore that. Is Susie a, a version of Ian Cole? And can Zadora bring a, a physical element? Absolutely. Like You can have that conversation. And it feels like a discount Gavrikov scenario here. Of Last year, they were interested in Gavrikov. Don't get them, and then wind up choosing Cole and Susie uh, this summer. So if in the summer he's available, cool. Let's talk about that. But there's two things at play here. A, I don't see the fit, how it works in these next 68 games. And two, I don't know if you can be in the rental market to pay for a, a rather premium price. Because I think he'll go for a decent price. He's going for at least a second. Yeah. If not more. So... I don't think you can live in the rental market for that type of player. Even if you re-sign him, I don't know. if I think the opportunity cost of giving up picks and then signing a guy is is just isn't worth it. It's it's. I'd rather just wait till the summer. Yeah, and now if the coach is willing to play, let's say he knows Zadorov's game and he feels like he could play the right side as a lefty, it changes the equation somewhat in terms of the fit on the team. Mm-hmm. However, it comes back to what you have to give up and also the cap implications. You can't make that trade unless you're giving something back the other I way. I wasn't even going to get into that. Like, and that's, that's also, again, it's just layers to it. I'm not yeah. saying they're not interested. They would be. Like I'm sure Vancouver would love to swap Pavilier for Zadorov. Zadorov or Tanev. They would love to do it. Just, I don't think Calgary would want to do yeah. that. right? And are you going to do that and add a, add a second round pick to it? I mean, I don't love that. Mm-hmm. So is the team willing to take that step for a guy that could be a rental? Or maybe they extend them? We'll see. It just... It just seems like a tough move, I think, for Vancouver, unless you're looking at more draft pick value going out the out the door. Which, again, I, I don't mind making aggressive moves, but I don't think you can live in a world where you're, you're doing it for rentals. Well, no, I agree. Like some, you know, somebody texted in, what about Brett Pesce earlier on in the show and going after him? Again, if you're looking at moving capital for somebody, I would be willing to consider a Brett Pesce. Because he's 27, right? 28. He's a legitimate top four defenseman, legitimate righty defenseman. And if you get him and extend him, he can be here on the right side with Philip Ronick long term. And you have Willander coming in a couple of years. Like, sign me up. Like, I'm not against giving up an asset for a guy you can control for a long time that can be a legitimate top four player. I'm just not sure I'm willing to give up that type of quality or even even slightly less quality mm-hmm. for a guy who's not going to maybe be a legit top four. Like Zdorov's probably best as a third-pair defenseman. And how much do you want to give up for that long-term? And Chris Tannum's 33. Am I giving up Am I giving up, giving up? up assets to acquire him and then give him a contract as well? If, if I'm giving up a, a premium piece, I'm going after top four D, like solidified top four D, top six forward, and I want four plus. I, I want your prime years. Yeah. I, I don't want your... 32 and above years. Yeah. And it, it, it depletes the player pool of what they can pick from. I get that. But this is like you have to have selective aggressiveness for right now for the Vancouver Canucks. And I like Chris Tanev. I like Nikita Zadorov. Nikita Zadorov. They're the good players. I just don't know if I, I want to dip my toes into that market. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you as well. Uh, this text says you guys are forgetting one incredible point. He's Dan Milstein's player. Yeah. That trumps and. All fit and logic in Vancouver for the Vancouver Milsteins. I mean, the Vancouver Canucks is what the text message says. That's a good point. It's a Dan Milstein client. Dan Milstein has many clients that are Mm -hmm. in Vancouver and many other clients that always want to come to Vancouver. So who knows? 
I mean, Gavrikov didn't though. He, no, it's because he ended up staying yeah. in L.A. Right? He, he got he he got the money he wanted for a short term deal, and he signed there. All right, uh, we are going to get to more of your text messages, and we are going to get to more of your phone calls. But first, let's get to the head coach. We mentioned what does he think about the game tonight? Canucks lose five two in Toronto, and here are here are his thoughts post game. You got to give Toronto credit; they were the more desperate team. They played well; they deserved the game. You know, quite frankly. Is this a good opportunity that you have a game to wash it quite quickly? Well, it's just creeped the last couple of games. You know, we got to make sure that we're, you know, we, we got to work a little bit harder, I thought. Um, we had those two power play goals, and then uh, we got a bunch of power plays. You know, we didn't have the killer instinct, and then, you know, our five-on-five play wasn't, you know, wasn't that great. How big were those power plays? Did that feel like a turning point in the game? Well, I think when we got the two, it got us some juice, but then we had a couple, and I, they weren't good for some reason. I don't know. Um, and then sometimes with our, when that goes bad, it seems like it affects our five-on-five five play. It was a lot of penalties and stuff, and it just was, I don't know if it was the flow or whatever, but we, uh, Toronto, uh, they worked hard. You know, they were down, and they came back, and they, uh, they took over. Your team's been very stingy all season yeah. in terms of what you surrendered five goals against tonight, but do you think that mirrored your club's defensive effort? Were there things you saw that you want to clean up, or is it just how it goes sometimes? Well, I, I mean, obviously, we had a good run, and uh, no, the lesson is, I thought we were a little slow with our puck decisions, even our breakouts, a little bit slow. You know, we talked about Toronto, they're really good at uh, stripping pucks. I thought we were slow in our breakouts, and then what happens is, you know, hits, hits something, it goes in front, and you know, and then, we, then we don't have our, our rail guy there to, to help out. But yeah, it was just one of those games. We gotta, we gotta flush it. It, was, it wasn't good. That, uh, there were some bounces that contributed, but you know their goals yeah. are all in tight, other than uh, the one on the three on two. Right. You guys have done a really good job protecting that area. Did you not do a good enough job tonight protecting that area? Yeah, I think a couple of we we weren't. They were usually pretty good at our rail guys coming back. Um, I thought our breakouts just we were a little sloppy. You know, we we weren't moving really quick with the puck on that one goal. Um, if we move it quickly, move it by that forecheck, you know, there's no goal. But yeah, like I said, we're we're just off. You know, we've had a. You know, we haven't practiced that much. I don't know if that's the the, the problem. You know, we've had a lot of days off, so um, I, I find with this team, if you don't get some practice, and we get sloppy. That's the back end goal, the four two goal you're talking about on the breakout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you expect Bluger to be an option for tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am. Um, you know, I'm going to talk to him tonight, but uh, he's definitely going to go in. If he's yeah, I yeah, he's going to go in. You can count that in. Oh, that's no, fine. You won five straight coming into this one. When you're playing so well, does it feel like there's a target on your back a little bit and that teams are giving you their best? Yeah, I mean, listen, you're, you you got to feel good about yourself, but then we got to be careful. If things are slipping in your game, we got to address it just, you know, as a group. And I thought the last few games, there's pockets of the game. I think teams are outworking us. Um, and we got to play desperate hockey, too. You have to match the level of your opponent. I mean... I mean, what's good game is this 15? I mean, this is this is early in the season. We, you know, we have to. You know, but you know, like I said, it's a, you know the 82 games you learn from. There's a, there's some stinkers, and sometimes you learn from a stinker. Rick, you had this, the game in Ottawa earlier this week where it sort of turned where their guy misses the yeah. open net, you guys get the deflection goal, and, and tonight Hughes hits the post. They score the 4-2 goal. Um, is it important to be? You've talked about sloppiness. Is it important to be on it just because the margins can be that fine? Well, listen, we, quite frankly, we've had some good bounces this year. You know, we, we, so we've been fortunate. So uh, some nights you're not going to have the bounces, but you still have to, 
you know, you got to make sure you stay in your game. So, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe it's a different, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't play that game. Um, you know, if you're in the right spots, you're going to get the bounces most nights. And I don't think we're in the spots tonight, uh, defensively or offensively. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. I didn't think we were in our spots offensively or defensively, the staples they talk about. He also mentioned we didn't have a rail guys, a staple he's talked about before, especially protecting in front of the net. Um, yeah, it's, it was one of those games. He didn't come out and say we did not play to our identity, but he mentions things that weren't to their identity, and he said uh, it was a stinker. We have to learn from a stinker, have to work a little bit harder, got a bunch of power plays and didn't have a killer instinct, didn't like our five-on-five play. Just have to flush it. It wasn't very good. I mean, he, listen, when you've only lost one game in 10, mm-hmm. he's not going to come out there and just rip the guys and shred them. But he said enough to voice his displeasure with what he saw tonight. And uh, already put it in ink yeah. that uh, there's going to be a lineup change into tomorrow. It was was very adamant as well. Like, you know he can't wait to get Bluger in, Definitely honestly. going in. You can count oh, yeah. that one. Oh, Just oh, going to Play it again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He was asked. He was like, hey, is Bluger going in tomorrow? Oh, yeah. See, the <laughs> thing is, uh, when he saw Bluger in training camp this year. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's what happened, right? So when he saw Bluger play, he was like, this guy's legit. And he played great yeah. through preseason. And he's a guy that, honestly, people said, like, don't wait, why mess with the winning lineup? And I get that to some extent. But I'm like, he's still better than most of those bottom six guys. Like, he's a Oh, yeah. He's a, oh, yeah. He's, he's really, he's going to be a real good impact in terms of two-way, the four-check, the speed he has, good in the face-off circle. And we, we talk about guys opening things up for other players. What, a, what can he do to help out the top six insofar as taking some tougher matchups from time to time, taking mm-hmm. some tougher face-offs? Can that free up JT a little bit more? Can you allow him and his line to get away from that hard matchup against top lines all the time, which we've seen from him, especially tonight against Matthews as well? So I think his addition not only helps with him, but also helping out to free out other players. So I get why the coach is bullish on getting him back in. And we didn't answer the first question from Wayne who called in. says, hey, how can you shake it off when you can't have a chance to iron it out? A lineup change, right? And there's no real good answer outside from you wake up tomorrow and you go at it again. Uh, you're not going to get the practice time or anything like that. But a lineup change, you're going to have one guy skating hard tomorrow, full of adrenaline, Teddy Bluger. How does that work for the rest of the guys? And and, and they know they have to be better. So uh, aside from just waking up and, and dust yourself off, that's all they can really do. But clearly a lineup change is forthcoming. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... One of the reasons why you try to also maybe not dwell on, on this too much is because you have a game coming up tomorrow night. And I think the best way to look at it probably is, hey, you guys have had a good run. Just flush it. Flush it and re- respond tomorrow. And then we forget all about it as long as you perform well tomorrow. We'll talk about Teddy Bluger coming in. Who can come out with his insertion into the lineup? We'll get to more of your text messages and more of your phone calls as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on. It's Satin Bick on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. McMahon driving deep into the Vancouver zone. Bobby McMahon. Plenty of far boards. Now it's sent behind that. And controlled on the backhand by Noah Gregor. Turns and shoots through traffic. They score! David Camp was parked in front. Demko picked this one up late, and it sneaks by him along the ice. It's 5-2 Toronto. 
Yeah, it's a pretty harmless play. Well, listen, we're, quite frankly, we've had some good bounces this year. You know, we, we, so we've been fortunate. So uh, some nights you're not going to have the bounces, but you still have to, you know, you got to make sure you stay in your game. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you, maybe it's a different, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't play that game. Um, if you're in the right spots, you're going to get the bounces most nights. And I don't think we're in the spots tonight, uh, defensively or offensively. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-2 loss in Toronto against the Leafs. The Canucks' first loss in 10 games, first regulation loss in 10 games. They have picked up points in nine of those, eight of those being victories. So, hey, a loss was inevitable eventually, and it came tonight in Toronto. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. It's Satyar Shaw with Vic Nazar. And Ian McIntyre is going to join us for the final segment of the show. And we'll get to a phone call coming up in just a moment. Uh, but before we get to the text messages as well, appreciate all you sending them and, and and believe me, we can't get to all of them. Um, we can't reply to all of them, but we read pretty much all of them. And mm-hmm. we, you make us laugh, even if we don't acknowledge it sometimes. So just know, like, Look. your takes are always heard and appreciated. So let me just put that disclaimer out there just so you know, FYI. Appreciate I, I think the it's way the, the way to approach it is if your text isn't getting read, you're like Teddy Bluger right now. You got to compete to get in the lineup. <laughs> so so w- review your text. Yeah, right. look at it. We, we we see them and we choose the best of the best. Okay, sounds so, good. So compete to get into the lineup. Exactly, compete hard and, and you'll get in. Uh, now, People send in poetry and we're like, oh, this is different. Fantastic. Good shift. <laughs> good hard shift. In deep. Put a few shifts together. Exactly. Keep put a few together and we'll get we'll we'll get to you. Um, now, before we do that, however, the coach touched on a few things we should expand on a little bit here, uh, and we'll get to the Bluger thing and text in who you think should come out of the lineup mm-hmm. for Teddy Bluger and what your suggestions and ideas are um, for the team in in Montreal against the Canadians. But there's a few things from the coach that I thought was interesting. Right, one thing that he mentioned too was. Killer instinct, the mm-hmm. lack of it. You had a 2-1 lead. You had a 5-on-3 power play. And that's something that you said to me as we were watching the game, something they still have to exhibit as another level. Can they be a team that puts the other opponent away when they have the opportunity now, to? Now, it is odd considering we're talking about like one of the best second and third period teams this year. But today was a moment, and, and they've run up the score on a lot of teams. But in a tight game and an opportunity early in the game to say, we're putting you away. We are putting you away and we're, we're going to play our style of hockey. It, they kind of tensed up. Yeah. And while we're sitting here and, and, and trying to you know, sort through what the opening 14 games have been, you know, consider where we were preseason, especially when after a 10 nothing loss. Yeah. It was, okay, are, are you serious? And they come into game one and they show that. Can you... Be consistent about it. Now it's 14, but they've been. This is the second game you look at and say, okay, they didn't move throughout the course of the 16. They didn't move their feet yeah. enough. Yeah. But you showed up and you were serious. You were then consistent. It's it's the steps to it all, right? It's the levels to it all. They come in, they, they adhere to some of the staples of playing sound hockey. And now can you get to that next level? And look, this was the, to me the first attempt that we've probably seen. But that killer instinct. That, to me, is going to be the separating factor of when we see another tier jump. I don't know if that happens this year. Maybe it does. But the fact that they've gone and said, hey, well, we're playing sound hockey. We've accomplished this. We can be consistent about it. We'll see over 82. But that last that last fringe is, I, th- I think it's going to be a challenge this year because I don't know if there's enough uh, talent overall across the roster. 
But if you get another, you know, high end player like a like a one shot scorer type to add that extra dynamic, that to me is the final stage of okay. Now this team is going to put teams away. Now you're consistently. The, it's we talk about tiers, and the mm-hmm. Canucks are not yet in that number one Stanley Cup contender tier, right? And they still have to do more to get there. But in terms of also your opportunities in a game like this against an opponent such as Toronto, who has been lean, they've been on some tough mm-hmm. times, their PKs really struggled. You can't let their PK dictate when you have a five on three the way they did. That's just something that can't happen, and that's something that cost them a bit. And the coach mentioned, you, know, you have to work a little bit harder, is what he mentioned tonight. And there were a lot of sequences where they weren't moving their feet enough. Especially, you know, we talk about their top players and how Hughes and, and Pedersen had a tough night. I thought Philip Peronik also had a tough mm-hmm. night. And one play really exemplified all of that um, in the, what was it? I think it was the the third period, yeah. The Robertson, Robertson goal. Robertson goal. Yeah. I mean, Robertson... Essentially, it goes one against three against Hironic. Nice goes one on three. No, no, yeah. Rise. Nice goes against uh, Hughes, Heronic, and Pedersen. Mm-hmm. And all three of them just kind of glide over to him. None of them are moving their feet. Just kind of meekly stick-checking. He just works right through him. Just cuts right through him. And, and Nice also won a, a play in the offensive zone to yeah. get the puck out of the zone against Heronic as well. Yeah, so, I mean, they're just not moving enough. And there are a couple of sequences where Heronic, they're in the right spot, but just not moving towards it. They're just kind of gliding. They're, they're being passive in their defending, and that really cost them in that period. And it was interesting, too, that Rick Tocken mentioned the power plays. When they went bad, it seems to affect the five-on-five play. Yeah. And, you know, it felt like, you know, 28 minutes they were skating, generating a, a lot of penalties. And then the second half of the game, they just did not move mm-hmm. as much and exemplified by a play like that Robertson play. And, and, and it's unfortunate. It is. Uh, this text says uh, Demko looked a little frosty tonight. Do you all think he maybe should have played in Ottawa? When you have a player like Demko, you can always throw that argument out there. Before they sat him these last two games, he was on pace for 62 games, mm-hmm. which means you don't want to play him 62. You want to be able to play him under, like 55, 56. Now, if De- the Smith does play tomorrow, which he will, he'll be on pace for 54 starts, which is more in line of where it needs to be. So if you look at the split, it's kind of in line with where they want to be by the end of the mm-hmm. season. However, the coach himself said, when we don't practice, we get sloppy. We know how meticulous Demko is with his practice time, too. Haven't had a ton, ton of practice time, doesn't play the game. Does that contribute to him maybe not being at his best either? It's a fair point, especially with how meticulous he is and how much time he spends on the ice. And the coach said, because of our schedule, too, haven't had a lot of practice time. So you have a lot of off days. And could that have contributed to how they played sloppy-wise? Maybe. And I wonder for Demko, I think the texture makes a good point. Yeah, but like you've got another back-to-back coming up this week. Uh, Wednesday, it, it is Thursday. what it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they've played this totally fine no i get it It, i'm I'm just saying in terms of a demko looking a bit off i can understand why mm -hmm. like i think it makes sense then it would have been six straight starts hey it's fair i'm not saying you should have started him Mm -hmm. i'm just saying the terms that you didn't start him you don't have a lot of practice time does that contribute to him looking a little bit off tonight for his standards i think it's i think it's a fair point um and what's the other thing you wanted to hit on from yes teddy bluger Mm -hmm. who comes out for teddy bluger man but really had a point tonight I think, I mean, so let's just do the obvious exercise. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a candidate of four, okay? Because I, I don't think Garland's coming out. Don't think PDG's coming out. So there's four candidates. Lafferty, Beauvillier, Hoaglander, Joshua. I think it's between those four. Joshua throws a couple hits tonight, gets into a fight. Uh, Beauvillier gets a point. Looked really good with a couple of one-timers, to be honest. Hoaglander plays 10-48. 
Um, again, we, we talked about that goal, uh, the, the Nylander goal. I think it'd be really harsh to pin some of this stuff on Hoaglander. Um, I, I think if you do a screenshot or something like that, you can you can say, oh, he's missing the guy. I, I, it's such a bang-bang play. It happens so fast. I, I'm not really pinning that on Nils Hoaglander. And also the pass, he makes the right play to get the puck out of the zone. Lafferty just misses it. Uh, and then it's Lafferty. Um, man, it, it, I, I think it's... What I think should happen and what I think will happen are two different things. What I would do is probably Beauvillier. What I think will happen is probably Hoaglander. I think so, too. I think it is going to be Hoaglander that comes out. I just think look at the ice time as well, which is, I think, the most obvious indicator mm-hmm. usually. And we've seen the coach go with the lone man out. out. Newell's Hoaglander play 1048 tonight. Now, I don't think they're going to go with uh, five defensemen and rest Mark Friedman. So mm. I'd imagine Hoaglander is the one that comes out based on the ice time. And again, if you want to talk about bottom line, it, it's it's harsh because it's not exactly a ton of minutes for uh, Nils Hoaglander, but we're now talking about um, one point in his previous seven games. So again, it's harsh because some of these nights it's eight minutes, nine and a half minutes, nine fourteen tonight. It's uh, what was it, ten fifty three tonight? Uh, Nils Hoaglander playing ten forty eight tonight, but I, I think it, it's it's not unreasonable to look at it and say, well, we're not getting a bottom line right now. Yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable either. But I mean, he's sort of he scored enough too, and in a small sample size, that he there's a good argument I, to make. Towards I, I agree, it, right? but now it's going to be well, one point in eight games. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Joshua has been good, as what what this text message says, and Lafferty is on the PK. Uh, yeah, those guys are on the PK, and uh, I think they have done a good job generally. I mean, the Canucks PK tonight, I don't think was really problematic for the most part. Uh, the Leafs did score on one of their power plays, but it was towards the end of the power play, and the Canucks we, we mentioned this in terms of having a chance to clear that one out and and kill the rest of it off, and unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought their PKA generally was was strong tonight. I don't think there was much of an issue. Uh, no, it, it, the the Nye's goal, it's even strength, but it's technically on the, oh, at the end. But, but it's at the end of the shift and stuff like yeah. that. He killed most of it off, but yeah, no, uh, fair enough. Those guys are on the PK. Niels Hoglander doesn't really play on the power play either. It, it kind of makes most sense for that to happen. All right, Bick, uh, let's get to the text inbox. A lot coming in here. Um, this one says. Uh, it's a bad loss. It is what it is. Let's remind everyone the best stars in the league have bad nights. Nikita Kucherov has been benched and called out publicly by his coach. Pretty mm-hmm. sure PD will bounce back. We bang points already. We can afford a few off nights. We're still sitting above preseason expectations. That is Dan and Brentwood. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, this one, um, Scott and Calgary will talk it, uh, shake up the lines. It came in before we heard from talk it, but we'll shake up the lines tomorrow despite not being able to get a practice in or does he give them another shake? I uh, feel like Hughes Ronick may get separated minutes tomorrow, flat footed performance all night. That's the other thing that he can play at some point. And, you know, we're all, we've been focusing it on a lot is at what point do they break up Hughes and Ronick? If they do, um, I'd see. I would need to see a longer run of um, no success. Like after the Edmonton game, Philly and Tampa Bay, then we had that question. It's like, okay, this is three games in a row. I don't know if you have enough defensive depth. They 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 move Myers mm-hmm. down and we with Susie, and suddenly it, it kind of stabilized. But right now, man, it, it it is tough to live in a world where Mark Friedman's playing ten forty three. It is rough and. He, 
I still think he's been the best option from all the other right-handed options they've Agreed, had. Yep. But I think the coaching staff gave him rope to start the season, mm-hmm. and more of that rope is being taken away from him. And now he's on, I wouldn't say a short leash necessarily, but Newell Juleson hasn't played him forever. Do they get to a point where they give him another shot at some point? I mean, this guy's playing 10 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. If, a, if a defenseman's playing under 14 minutes, it's almost like, what's the point? To some degree, like you have to have something you need, kind of need someone you can rely on for 13 minutes at least, give, give you something. So it, it's pretty rough there for Mark Friedman. So we'll see ultimately what happens. But the Canucks are still trying and, to improve their defense and trying to find more ready defensemen. So you understand also why. And by the way, that's not like situational 10 minutes. Didn't go out there on the PK. Yeah. Obviously, doesn't play the power play. So it's it's just 10 43, five on five. So it's not as if he has another feature to to your role right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, you can see the guys at the bottom of the lineup not quite getting enough done here for, in terms of minutes on the back end, but also the top top guys. Rough night here for them. Uh, this text message here, 650, 650. Um, Man, there's so many. I'm trying to find it. Okay, this one says, not worried about this game at all. Even good teams have bad games, but losing to Toronto of all teams just sucks. Just brush it off and look forward to tomorrow. And the coach yep. said, just flush it and look forward to tomorrow. And I think that's why for tomorrow, another test. Last game of a three-game road trip out east. I wouldn't say embarrassing tonight, but you lost on the center stage, on center court, where a lot of eyes were on you, right? Yeah. All this hype, you know, Canucks fans saying our team is good. You know, we're, we're not getting enough respect out east. It's a tough one to lose the way you lost, right? Not only pride-wise, but also we got to bounce back and collect points here and have a successful trip. I, re- I am really curious to see how they play tomorrow. And another mini test here for us to see what resolve this team has. Yeah, I do wonder though if the, if we if we get a look ahead kind of performance because Wednesday because of the Bo Horvat game because you know Wednesday is gonna ha- have some emotion to it. Uh, now it, it's a big marquee game in Montreal, um, but I do wonder like if if the Ottawa one was a look ahead to Toronto and again they started well tonight they absolutely started well tonight and it feels like in, in the first twenty twenty five minutes they cleared up a lot of stuff that we saw against Ottawa yeah and it didn't persist i i just i do wonder if, if there's a look ahead performance tomorrow i hope not because those are things you i want to see too, you talk about seriousness professionalism you're right something i'm looking forward to tomorrow as you mentioned and make a note of it um how how are they mentally engaged tomorrow after mm-hmm. a performance like this yeah no i think so too uh, this text comes in in terms of making predictions we mentioned making predictions for who comes out of lineup tomorrow mm-hmm. Uh, I think Bavillier comes out for Bluger. Hoagliner brings more energy in just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Bernie from Kelowna. Um, and Hoaglander, somebody else texted in, in Hoaglander as well. Um, I'd be surprised if it is Bavillier. I just would be surprised. And he features on, on a power play. And mm-hmm. I thought you know, he had an assist tonight. He had a couple shots coming on the one-timer that created good rebounds. I think for him, they want to create that. Five on five, his puck pursuit's been pretty good. You know what it is? I agree that Hoaglander has more energy. I just think they 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 feel safer with him. You know how you mention sometimes you don't want to have a player who's sometimes a two and sometimes an eight or a nine. Mm-hmm. Can you be in the middle? I think he's usually like a six, and I think they just they just are comf- comfortable with his consistency. The Bavili on the power play thing though is like if you can't figure out the the fourth or fifth forward on your second power play unit, you're you're that concerned about that. But is that the thing that's saving him in the lineup? 
Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. All right. Uh, we'll build on that and get to more of your text messages and thoughts. And plus, Ian McIntyre is going to join us. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Canucks lose 5-2 in Toronto. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. And back to the puck is Bobby McMahon playing his 11th career game tonight for Toronto, freshly recalled from the Marlies in the AHL as Camp skates to center. And he's lined up, big hit, and now we got a fight as Dakota Joshua stepped up on him. And Joshua has dropped the gloves with Mark Giordano in the far corner. Giordano trying to come around with the right hand. Joshua holding on. Giordano still trying to get his right hand free. Lands one. Joshua hanging in there. As he can't get his arm loose. Linesman wanted to jump in. Joshua said no. Shrugged them off. Now Giordano comes around with a hard right hand. Joshua trying to get his right hand free. They're both exhausted. Giordano's helmet comes off. And now the linesmen do have to jump in and separate the two combatants as Dakota Joshua laid an absolute whooping on David Kampf at center ice. And Giordano steps in to defend his teammate. Physicality, especially in that first period. The Vancouver Canucks responding. They... they Set the tempo early on, had the 2-1 lead after the first period, but that was pretty much the high for the game. After that point, Toronto took over and ended up winning 5-2. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar. Big game coming up tomorrow in Montreal against the Canadians. We'll look forward to that a little bit. And we'll get to your text messages and Ian McIntyre. But Big, we mentioned we get to the phone boards as well. Let's take one more phone call here uh, in the final segment of the show. And we have Gord on the line from Coquitlam calling in. Gord, thanks for your phone call. Uh, what are your thoughts hey tonight? Hey, Hey, hey guys, thanks for playing that little Dakota Joshua clip. Just perfect timing for my next comment, which is, I was just going to say, I thought the person they should take out is Dakota Joshua for Teddy Bluger. Um, yes, Joshua did a big hit, but in terms of just mm-hmm. playing hockey, like I don't, the Montreal doesn't strike me as a big physical team. Right. I didn't have that much confidence whenever Joshua is around the puck. So I thought Joshua would be coming out. But, I mean, you guys probably, obviously you guys would know more about the science of hockey than I do. And just to hear your thoughts on that. And the other one is, I was surprised to see Bovillier on the second unit power play. He, he, he shouldn't be on that, should he? Well, I mean, I'm, that's a... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fair point. Who would Gord. you put ahead of him, Gord? Oh, we, we lost them? So, All I mean, right. it's, it's basically, so the options are Hoaglander and Joshua <laughs> and Lafferty. I just want to say, our guy Eddie Gregory competing there. Eddie's just like quick winning on. the battles. <laughs> just living up to my nickname. That's <laughs> all. Fast Eddie, fast Eddie Gregory for a reason. Better be quick. Um, but I think, I mean, Lafferty, Hoaglander, and Joshua are your other options. Yeah. I, I, I can see the argument for, for, for Joshua out, but... It's it's in PDG, I guess. I'm not taking PDG out. <laughs> no, I'm not. I wouldn't do. It. No, no, no. I mean PDG in terms of playing on the power play. Oh yeah, you could put it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant coming out. Of no, the no, no. You don't take PDG. Uh, out. Trying to make Richo cry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I wouldn't stand for that myself. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about the power play, 
Yeah, honestly, I might put PDG. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. It's fair point to you as well, right? So that can't be the only because only we thing. saw today Beauvillier with the two one timers. If you're taking him out, like we've seen Mikheyev play on that side. Yeah. And if you need someone that's a four checker, well, that's what PDG does. Uh, and then you need someone on net front, so you can do that. Uh, but in general, just of like who to come out of the lineup, I just feel like Lafferty has a speed profile that they probably need, and Joshua has a size profile they probably need. And I just wonder if just the physical capabilities keep them in the lineup. Yeah, it's fair. But I think Steve-O and Sanich, who follows along the same line of thinking as Gord, says Joshua out. Montreal plays a speed and skill game. They'll stick with Hoagie, is what Steve-O and Sanich says. In terms of matchup, it's not an unfair point. It's not the biggest team. It's more of a skill, uh, speedy team on the smaller side. Somebody else texted in about uh, them being that type of team as well. Uh, I, I lost your text, so I'm sorry I can't give you credit for also mentioning this but compete harder man stop losing these turn I'm, the i'm doing my best turning the text over no kidding right no kidding <laughs> accountability on this show uh on the text message inbox as well but i i, I think it's a noted point mm-hmm. that you could make the argument for dakota joshua to come out as well my prediction is still just hoaglander because of the deployment mm-hmm. and what ends up happening but given that dakota joshua has been healthy scratch like it wouldn't be completely surprising he did fight i do agree too with Gore's overall point, though, I haven't been impressed with Dakota Joshua. They need a player like him in the lineup with his size, his physicality, his ability when he's engaged in playing his game. And he he answered the bell through a big hit tonight. But rest of the game, really, there, there wasn't much there in his game. As you mentioned earlier about just judging players' performances, okay, what's the peak, what's the valley? I, I think Beauvillier's probably consistently been like a five and yeah. a half, six out of ten consistently. There's been some games where he where he puts up a point. Okay, you can jump him up to seven and a half kind of nights. Lafferty for me is like consistently been six six and a yeah. half every night. Hoaglander's probably consistently been six and a half, seven every night. Joshua, some nights you see it's like oh man, like there it is. It's 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 eight. Yeah, and then those nights it's like all right, it's a three out of ten, and so. As far as variance goes, I can totally see the argument of like, hey, right now, we, we just don't have the trust right now of mm-hmm. that we're going to get the same thing every night. Coaches love the ability of like, hey, when I put you over the boards, I know what I'm going to get every single time. And and that might be what saves like the Nils Hoaglander in the lineup because at least he's skating hard in his limited minutes and he's going consistently. I don't know if you can say that about, about Dakota Joshua. I, I, it's, it's a fine argument. No, it is. I think it's a, it's a fair argument to make, certainly. Um this text message here says the remarks earlier in the show, the Canucks weren't emotionally invested and lacked intensity, two fights, three or four big hits, hard work, retrieving pucks. They didn't capitalize on the five on three and made some mistakes, but they had two posts and a crossbar. Other than the last 10 minutes of the the third, this game was within their grasp. Uh, Lotso texting that in. I don't disagree that the game was within their grasp, Like even when Toronto was up two goals and it was what 12 minutes left, I turned to you and said, if they get one, they'll get the other one. And there's still a lot of time in this game. And then Toronto scored the third, you know, fifth goal and at that point five two that game was pretty much over i i agree that the canucks had good intensity and physicality in the first period we mentioned a really good first period but it waned it waned it did uh, great word for it and the second especially after the first five or six minutes the ice really tilted in toronto's favor um and the coach himself you, you heard him mentioning not liking their five on five play and the third they were pretty much listless outside of the, the final five or six minutes i guess when you're down three they made it they had a few chances but it's, it's a three goal lead at that point i mean three goal deficit at that point mm-hmm. you are going to have some chances so i don't chalk that up too much in terms of credit for them late but yeah really strong first the the intensity and physicality and emotional investment was there to start it just kind of got away from them 
And it's going to go back to specialty teams, right? It's like that that moment, you you, you yeah. score a goal, um, it, it completely swings it, and, and like just imagine the crowd in that scenario yeah. just engulfs on Toronto. It's like you stood up for yourselves and it didn't work, and you you cost yourself on the power play, and again they get the two early ones, but end of the night uh, you look up and it's like two for six, and and certainly a five on three as well, uh, and and Toronto was playing really like too many men. Um, Brody taking that penalty, it just like they were giving you the opportunities to uh, really salt that game away. Just didn't do it. No, they didn't do it, and uh, it cost them tonight losing 5-2. Now, their opponent tomorrow, we got this text, which transitions us more into the conversation of the game tomorrow, which says, to be honest, guys, I'm not sure why everyone is sitting here freaking out about their play today. We are still one of the best teams in the NHL right now. These guys have been playing their butts off the whole season. Let's talk a little positive, like the team and them uh, moving on to tomorrow's game. And yeah, I mean, I mean, we're not freaking out. I'll, I'll tell you why people are freaking out. And I said Toronto. And we give too much power to Toronto, I believe, to say, you got to win this one. Hey, at the end of the day, what do we always say? Facts only, right? Yeah. Facts only, it's still an out-of-conference loss. Yeah. Okay? Facts only, I, I understand you want this one. We, we, all, we always love to stick it to Toronto. I get it. End of the day, it's an out-of-conference loss. The Canucks have not lost to a, West, a Western, Conference, uh, Western Conference team set. No. No, facts only. Facts, facts only. No, they exactly. lost to Philly. They lost to Tampa. They lost to uh, to New York, and then they lost to Toronto tonight. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and like I said, it's a game where be careful with with what narratives you chase. Be careful because th- their first regulation loss in ten games, they won eight of those games. So they're doing fine, right? In terms of the game tomorrow, the the Montreal Canadiens tonight played and. You know, part of the favorable schedule on this three-game road trip, despite the fact they're playing uh, three games and, and four nights, is all the teams they're playing are, are on back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. And tonight, uh, Boston played Montreal at home, but Montreal beat Boston 3-2 in overtime this evening. And um, they actually... But I haven't been able to watch much of the game. I saw We saw some clips mm-hmm. here and there, but from the discourse on, on social media, too... And some of the reporting on the game, the Habs played a pretty strong game. Mm-hmm. And they beat one of the best teams in the league, the Boston Bruins. The only team in the league that's been hotter than the Vancouver Canucks is the Boston Bruins. And the, the Montreal Canadiens took them to overtime and won. So tomorrow may not necessarily be an easy game. They're probably feeling pretty good about themselves. Martin St. Louis, Martin, Martin St. Louis has those guys playing with a lot of energy and effort. Again, it's going to be a bit of a challenge here for Vancouver. And I think the intensity in that first 10, 20 minutes of that game is going to be really big, especially with them coming off a big game against one of the bigger rivals, original six team, and the Boston Bruins. You know they, they always get jacked up beat, beating the Bruins. Yeah, manage the emotion of, of the opening uh, period. Yeah. I'd be interested to see if the the energy fades away in that game too for, for both teams yeah, just because very emotional win in OT against a good team big rival uh, and this one Canucks here, here they are another travel day three and four does it start to fade away but but you want to show that you do initial start and the thing is that's a team that obviously works very hard and they have a few guys that are tough to play against like their defense isn't exactly the best defense but Mike Matheson's a good defender mm-hmm. Arbor Jackai is it's a real tough customer and tough to play against in the corners. And Jonathan Kovacevic is just getting better and playing more uh, on that defense as well. Now, they're not great, but they're a team that, that plays hard. So that, I think that that physicality, that, that effort level really has to be intense, I think, tomorrow. Or at the very least, you have to be willing to play in battle because their defense on the forecheck 
If you're not willing to get in there and dig pucks out, you're probably not going to win enough of those. Do you take this as a bit of a, a white flag by Rick Tockett there once it was 5-2? Uh, it looks like he just rolled all the lines. It says, like, hey, nine minutes to go. Let's try to save the legs as much as we can for this tomorrow or this game tomorrow. Because it looks like every line played three shifts the last nine minutes, unless I'm reading this incorrectly. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, I think uh, he probably... Yeah, maybe maybe not a big white flag, but a slight one, a little bit, and saving your energy for the next I think game. Uh, Mark Friedman played the bulk of his minutes here in the third. Okay, especially after that third goal. Yeah. So because uh, he had, he had three minutes. Mark of, Mark Friedman played seven minutes in the third period. Mark Friedman had like four minutes of ice time after the second yeah. period. It's less than we had three forty two. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's bring in the man that can make, make sense of the things he sees, especially because he was on the road in Toronto to watch the Canucks drop a 5-2 decision against the Leafs. And we call him the triple threat because you watch him on TV, you read him on digital, and you hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. Like my entrance music is inappropriate after a Canucks stinker? Uh, no, I think it's appropriate. I think it's perfectly right. appropriate. You do way more inappropriate yeah. things on this show than those. You know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Especially when I'm in person. There's, there's, yes. there's less bad behavior on my part <laughs> when I'm on the phone from some distant NHL outpost like the center of the universe here than when we're all crowded into the Jim friendly, Robson gondola. But, friendly confines in the booth. You can say whatever you want. But you know, that's that's how you know that the camaraderie is good because when you get in person, you can't resist, you know, the, yeah. the, the little ribs and, and stuff. Well, Bick's always, you know, doing, wearing, saying something that I can make fun of. <laughs> yeah, or saying like a little Buddha. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I don't know how somebody that size crosses his legs and perches <laughs> on a little roll away chair like he does but he's he's very uh very chill very chill the canucks were uh too chill today yeah. mm-hmm. they you know what whatever it was i don't know if they and i tried asking a couple of guys about this but it's you know i, I didn't get very far with it and, and i'm not and i'm not sticking to it as a theme in my story either but i just wonder you know, it's always special when when you come here and even the guys, you know, there's more Americans on mm-hmm. the Canucks than there are Canadians. But everybody recognizes how special it is when you're playing the Maple Leafs in Toronto on a, on a Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, national game. And uh, I, I just wonder whether they were so eager to try to show that, that uh, they were this rebranded team, the new and improved Canucks that, they kind of got in their own way uh, a little bit. And, you know, I think of, you know, Quinn Hughes, who's, you know, uh, American, but spent, uh, I think he spent seven years here as a kid playing minor hockey. Mm-hmm. And so it means a lot to him. And he certainly understands uh, what it's like to, to play in Toronto on a Saturday night or face the least. He just seemed, uh, you know, nervous with the puck at times like he was like he was trying too hard but whatever whatever it was uh, i think we all know that you know the law of averages 
market correction, whatever you want to call it, at some point is going to um, catch up to the Canucks because they have had a lot of things go right. And they have played really well. And and you're not going to do that all the time. But oh, why Toronto? Why yeah. here? <laughs> it was just so disappointing in that regard. Don't give them all the power. I, I've been saying that tonight. Do not give that city all the power. And, I know. And let them lord this over you. All right. I mean, for people who are old enough, <laughs> you know, you know how you know how Seinfeld always said Newman. Yes. The, the Canucks, the Maple Leafs. Yes. Yes. Exactly. You say you say it through gritted teeth. Yeah. Do you know that they have? And I was. I mean, I know they haven't had a lot of success here, but they've had one win in ten years in Toronto. One win. Yeah. I, that was two years ago. I mean. And remember the the house of horror this was for them during the the pandemic season. Mm-hmm. They came here five times and lost all five. And generally, they yeah. weren't close. It's and of course most of, including all the core players. I shouldn't say most of the players, but all all the all the key players on this team were part of those teams. It's just. Uh, whatever reason, it's been a very difficult place to play. I mean, the Maple Leafs are part of the reason. They, they've been very good for a while, but the Canucks had been better than them this season, but uh, certainly were not tonight. Uh, just going back to what you're talking about, like a p- potential theme, I know you're going to not run with it on, on your piece at sportsnet.ca, but I feel like there is a difference between relaxed and casual, and maybe at some point they kind of flirted too dangerously with that line tonight. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if if I ever accept your themes, Bick, I'm not giving you credit. <laughs> no, please don't. Stories. So, I mean, your your head is big enough. We, we know. So that's why I mean, it's weird to balance you got, it. You out. got a you got a large noggin. So, <laughs> a big brain. Clearly. Yeah. So much um, for only talking yeah, about yeah. trash yeah. at <laughs> home. Getting roasted yeah. from like three time zones away. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think they were too relaxed or or complacent. I, I just think, you know, they haven't overall. You know, they the first period of the Edmonton game, they or first whatever it was, twelve minutes, eleven minutes. They just got blitzed and they hung on and and got through it, and then just took over the game and were, were full value for the win because they outplayed the Oilers the rest of the way. The game in Ottawa uh, two nights ago it's like they, they got this head start that the Senators just gifted to them. And then they went to sleep for for about 20 minutes and gradually took over that game. And again, earned the win. They were, it wasn't just, it wasn't just luck, but the, the margins are fine. And if you continue to have games where you have these spells where you're not sharp, you're not going to be able to, to salvage them all because those margins are fine and things aren't going to bounce for you. Now, if you think about the Ottawa game, it's 2-2 and JT Miller comes down on the three on two and just rifles it bar down. And that's, that's the deciding goal. And the Canucks add two more, but that was, that was the key uh, moment of the game tonight. This wasn't the key moment because it was already four, two, but Quinn Hughes hits the underside of the crossbar as well. And the puck doesn't bounce in. It bounces It bounces out, you know that that happens. You know that, especially over eighty-two games, mm-hmm. it's going to happen as much where it bounces out as it bounces in, mm-hmm. um, or at least whatever the the odds are of pucks bouncing in. You're you're going to regress to the to the average that way. So, you if you're not getting the bounces and you're having these 
these spells where you're not playing well. And, and tonight, that spell for the Canucks was pretty much the whole game. They weren't, I, I didn't think they were awful, but they were the second best team at five on five for for most of the game. And I think that's why there's just maybe a hint of frustration from Talkett after the game. And he certainly didn't roast the team like he did in yeah. Philadelphia. But you can only do that once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wouldn't expect him to roast them after a game like this. And, you know, they just they just had a nine-game point streak yeah. where they went 8-0-1. Eight, eight, so they've done a lot of things right. But I think there's a little frustration from Talkett and that there were signs the last couple of games should have been lessons learned the last couple of games about having these these periods where you're not sharp and you don't execute and maybe you let the other team outskate you. Maybe you lose more battles than you win for a little spell. And, you know, tonight it, it was kind of, I think, a culmination of the Canucks the last, well, three of their last five games. They've had spells where they were not very good. So I think tonight, you know, they paid a price for that. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, personally, I'm you, I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and sometimes you wonder: are you chasing? Are you chasing? Um an observation that may not be they're confirming a, a bias to some degree because one of the things I, I thought happened was in that second when the when the Leafs killed off that five on three it seemed like they got a lot of jump from that obviously and the Canucks never were able to match the intensity and the emotional or the level that Toronto had at that point and I wonder if some of that was you know how they talk about wanting to be even keel and how they don't want to get too high and too low and in that moment when when Toronto ramped it up instead of maybe trying to push it up I think they were trying to maybe stay even keel because it just seemed like they were fine in the first I thought they were pretty good in the first they had physical moments right Cole with that huge hit Dakota Joshua with the hit they answered the bell they scored on the power play like they were fine five on five for the most part but as soon as that five on three happened, it just seemed like they couldn't reach the level Toronto was at. Well, among the many things that talk at uh, his themes that he repeats, and and most of them are interesting. You know, he he talks about meeting pressure with pressure, and they certainly did not meet Toronto pressure with their own pressure. You know, when the uh, I agree with you that the the Leafs got better once they got through that series of penalties. It's too bad for Vancouver that they stopped taking stupid instigators because that seemed to be a path (laughs) to victory for Vancouver tonight. But once the Leafs, you know, got a little bit better and got a little, you know, they were skating better most of the game. And and even in the first period, it wasn't like the Canucks dominated. They didn't give up anything, of course. But, uh, you know, other than the two power plays, what did Vancouver really really generate but when toronto started going in the second i didn't there was no real response in in intensity the Mm -hmm. canucks didn't meet pressure with pressure they just started to be on the receiving end of it uh too much and playing too much in in uh their own zone and they and they just weren't sharp with the puck you know as talk pointed out their breakouts weren't good you know, when's the last have? Well, I was going to say when's the last time. There hasn't been a time for the first time this season. We see Quinn Hughes sort of overhandle it behind the net and then lose it in his slot on on the fourth goal. So, just a lot of things that the Canucks have to be sharper at to to beat teams. And you know, Toronto for all of their their struggle, which has been terrific to see. It's, you know, they're still a formidable 
team with some of the best players in in the National Hockey League. Tonight, though, it wasn't so much those guys. It was, you know, their players down their lineup who were just, you know, out skating and out working the Canucks on their shifts. We were talking about um, Bluger going back into the lineup. Now, the other day when we asked you, I think you said Beauvillier. And, okay, it's confirmed he's going into tomorrow. Um, And I was kind of making the point, okay, Nils Hoaglander right now, it's, it's low minutes. And if you're worried about a bottom line, it's one point in eight games. I got a note from a friend who's listening said, if you're worried about a bottom line, Connor Garland has one point in nine games as well. Now, I think that's too high up the lineup to say, like, oh, you're out. But should this be a, a concern all of a sudden that Connor Garland's not producing? Well, I, I think it's uh, a concern. I mean, yes, uh, is the short answer. But it, it's a concern whenever you're paying somebody $5 million. Yeah. And you don't feel like you're getting value from it. So the question is, are, are, are you getting value from them in other areas? And, and in some cases, uh, in a lot of the recent games, I'd argue, yes, you know, cause he, he brings energy and tends to have the puck, uh, when he's, when he's out on the ice, even if it's not necessarily resulting in, in points. And I think he's been, been playing pretty well but if you're asking me do i think connor garland's ai coming out tomorrow absolutely not mm-hmm. i don't it'll be it'll be probably nils hoaglander uh it could be dakota joshua i you know i don't have the benefit in the hour uh right after a game just to go through video and sort of check everyone's shifts but you know after after the ottawa game where they were you know pretty good the final 45 minutes or so which was again their ninth, fifth win in a row, and the eighth time in nine games that they hadn't lost in regulation. It would be really challenging to take somebody out, which is why I said I wouldn't. I wouldn't take somebody yeah. out in that case. I don't think anyone, anyone deserved was the word I used to come out after a game like that. Well, a game like tonight, you can find somebody. You can find somebody to come out when your team underperforms in a big game and isn't sharp and doesn't have the energy and isn't skating the way, the way that you'd like to see them skate or execute, you know, with, with the puck. So, you know, I, uh, if I'm guessing it would be that, that Hoaglander will come out uh, tomorrow for, for Bluger, but, you know, at least we won't have to wait long. The suspense won't last long. No, we'll find out pretty quickly tomorrow, which uh, makes it exciting. We look forward to chatting with you tomorrow, too. But quickly before we let you go here, Ian, uh, Elias Pettersson, uh, the coach has mentioned how he has been playing through a few things or a couple things at the very least. He's not been at his, at his best. And even though he's performed at such a high level point-wise, got another another one tonight, 25 to lead the league. He apologized to the coach the other day for not playing great uh, despite the team winning. Are we at all concerned about the injury he has? Like, he looked like he wasn't himself again tonight. I mean, much like you're, you'd always be concerned with a $5 million player. You don't think you're getting value from him. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to be concerned if, if your uh, best forward, and one of the best forwards in the league, um, is, is nicked up and playing through something. But whatever it is, uh, we've seen... Pedersen, although he's had a, a maintenance day here or there, we've seen him practice. You could see him tonight. He was actually uh, trying to get involved and get his team going by throwing hits. He th- got, you know, was physical on a couple of occasions. 
certainly isn't shying away from from traffic areas. So, you know, whatever it is at this point, I, I think it's manageable. But, you know, not knowing the injury, I, I can't tell you, you know, what the level of concern should be. But he's another guy who didn't play as well tonight as he has played in in most of the games. And I suspect if you asked him that he would say whatever it is, isn't the reason why. Uh, what's the overrun? What, 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 listen, whatever it is, he's shown he can lead the NHL in scoring <laughs> while dealing with it. So yeah, no kidding. But, but of course you're all, you're always yeah. concerned. I mean, it's, it's, it's the one team with the, or sorry, the one thing that every team fears is an injury to one of its top players. So yeah, you're always concerned, but he has shown that whatever it is, he still can be about, you know, if not probably one of the top 10 players in the game with it. So, uh, so far it's been manageable. Uh, we'll let you sign, uh, set the line on this. What's the over under on uh, iMac hot dog consumption at Montreal tomorrow? <laughs> uh, well, the over under is always two and a half. Oh, okay. oh nice. nice. All right. Nice. Yeah. So two are for yeah. sure happening. All right. Yeah, two for sure. That's just like even if I've eaten, I'm having two <laughs> two two and shows. And if I'm, you know, hungry, then it's probably going to three. And don't you know? Don't judge me. No, I'm not no, going to no, judge we, you. Matt. I'm, we I'm just wanted to set a line for it tomorrow. We're we're asking you tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I love the hot dogs in Montreal. Everybody does. I don't know why. Like, there's so the world is so small now. Uh, culinary culinarily speaking and that's not a word (laughs) but you know things everything gets exported you can get you can get food from anywhere anywhere but how come those montreal bell center style hot dogs with the bread bun aren't available east coast bagels are so good too i I don't know what it is you're right about east coast bagels yeah 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 but seagulls bagels Oh, in yeah. Vancouver, yeah, they're good. Are mm-hmm. as good as, and they're they're like Montreal style bagels, and they're really good. But I don't know why you can't get the Shein showed bread buns. That, that's a that's a real uh, capitalism opportunity. No, it's also it's, it's Western it's Western alienation again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can get poutine. Yeah, yeah. You, you get poutine everywhere. Why can't you get the hot dog buns? That's a homework assignment for our listeners to come in tomorrow uh, at this time and and give us the answer. Well, I hope they do. Yeah, do the work for us. Yes, right. please tell me where I can buy them in Vancouver. <laughs> I will travel. If anybody knows, it's our listeners, and if they pass it along, we will pass it along to you. Uh, Ian, great stuff as always. Get to Montreal safely, and we look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow night. Yeah, first time we've spoken after a loss in a while. I know. Wow, this is a foreign feeling. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not that foreign. We did it for the last three years. <laughs> I'm trying to take. I'm, I'm. I've turned the chapter on the past, Ian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if the Canucks are, are able to do that as well. And and again, yeah. they don't have they don't have to win tomorrow. That'd be nice. But you'd like to see them play something more resembling how they've been the last month than than how they've been the last couple of games. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And uh, it's another test, and, and we'll see how they respond tomorrow night. But I uh, appreciate your time, Ian, as always. Look forward right, to reading your talk- latest on sportsnet.ca. I'll talk to you in 24 hours. Uh, you got it. That is Ian McIntyre.
Uh, and as always, find him on Twitter. You can also read his latest, which will be up on sportsnet.ca very soon. A must read always. A lot of great stuff, uh, and especially his article on, on Quinn Hughes as well. Mm-hmm. The last few days, make sure to read everything he puts up. It, it's great as always. All right, Bic, uh, time for us to sign off. We'll be back again tomorrow for Canucks and Montreal Canadiens. You'll hear Bic and myself during intermission and on the postgame show. I'll be on with Dan for pregame, and we're also on Sportsnet Pacific for pregame tomorrow on TV as well. So uh, tune in for that, and we look forward to seeing how the Canucks fare. Thank you to every single one of you calling in, listening, texting in. It's always a pleasure hearing from you and interacting. We look forward to doing it again throughout the season, and especially tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens. For Vic Nazar, I'm Satyar Shaw, and special thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory producing the show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You got a large noggin, so <laughs> big brain, clearly. <laughs>